Welcome to McCullough Christian Center's broadcast today. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.purposemcc.com. And now, here's our pastor, Cornelius Phillips, with today's message. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, take your Bibles tonight and, and uh, turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I want to look beginning with verse 5. I know this is a familiar passage of Scripture, but the Lord just laid it on my heart a couple days ago, and, and I've just been thinking about it, and every time I try to go another direction, I'd wind up here. So, uh, Philippians chapter 2 and, and verse 5, we're going to read down uh, through verse 12. If you if you can, uh, stand with us, please. I know you've been working all day, and you're tired and give out, and I'll let you sit down for an hour or two and uh, get you some rest after that. Amen. All right, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Thank you, Father, for your word. We receive by faith now that that you have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> I want to talk to you tonight about just... This subject that's been on my heart, uh, and and we'll we'll just go ahead and title it uh, workout. Uh, some of y'all say, "Well, I need to work out." Well, we're going to talk about workout tonight. According to a, a study that was done back in 2015. Uh, over 55 million people were members of around 36,000 health clubs, or one. Over 55 million people <coughs> were members of one of 36,000 health clubs in the United States uh, of America. In 2014, the revenue that came in as a result of health clubs and stuff like that was $24 billion. And they say it rises by about 7% every year. So that kind of gives you an idea uh, how concerned we are with our health and with the way that we look. And I'm sure that there are some of you in here that you belong to a, a health club or something like that. And... Uh, probably most of y'all are like like me. You've got some type of exercise equipment uh, in your bedroom that is used as a, a clothes rack. Uh, more than likely, most of you do. Uh, if you don't, you just moved it out not too long ago. Uh, so, uh, but, you know, we're all concerned, and, and we should be concerned about our health, taking care of ourselves, and, and doing things like that. But I thought about that in, in, this, in this passage of Scripture, 
where Paul said uh, that we need to work our salvation out. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the Lord just kept over and over in my spirit talking to me about working out. Work it out. Work it out. And, and the more I began to th- think about it, uh, you know, the last two Wednesday nights, we've talked about the faithfulness of God. And we've talked about that, that you know, uh, even though there are times that we feel like that God is not listening, we feel like that God is far, far away, we feel like the heavens are brass and, and that we can't seem to get a prayer through, God is always there. He's always there. And, and you know, uh, and so we've talked about how faithful God is, even in the times when we don't feel him, that doesn't mean that he's not right there near us. And uh, we talked about that, you know, that, that our greatest revelation of who God is doesn't come on the mountaintop, but the greatest revelation of who God is will come in your lowest valley, in your worst time, when you're weeping and crying and you've had, everything is going wrong, that is where your greatest revelation comes. Uh, the, the greatest sermons that I uh, have preached have come uh, because of trials and struggles and tribulation that I've had to go through. I've said this before, but uh, back in uh, 2007 and 2008, uh, I was sitting in, in Winn-Dixie parking lot in Monroeville, and uh, we had just got home from uh, Spain Rehab Center in Birmingham. We had been, uh, it, was, uh, it was over a month that I didn't set foot in, our, in my house. Uh, I was in the hospital with Ashley, and, and then we went to Birmingham and uh, things like that, and, and it was just a tough time. And, and I was sitting in the parking lot at Winn-Dixie fixing to get out and go in and get some groceries. And Holy Spirit spoke to me so plainly and so strong into my spirit and said these words, the greatest tragedy of what you've gone through is not the fact of your daughter being injured. He said, but the greatest tragedy will be if you don't learn from your pain. And now I don't know why God spoke that to me, but I took it to heart. And I knew it was God speaking to me. And so uh, from that moment on, I began to say, God, what can I learn by what I'm going through? And, and, I, and I've learned to quit questioning why I'm going through something and begin to question, God, what is it that you're trying to show me? What is it that you're wanting to get out of me through this valley that I'm going through? But God is faithful. God is faithful. He is always there. He will always be with you. But as I begin to think about talking about the faithfulness of God, I begin to think about my responsibility as a child of God. And I begin to think about, you know, that, that in our culture, many people uh, have kind of taken themselves out of gear and they believe that, that everything is in God's hands. God's responsible for all of it. I just, I'm just here. I'm just breathing air, and I'm walking on this earth, and I don't have any responsibilities. I don't have, I don't have to do anything. I don't have to live a certain way. I don't have to have a good character. I, I, don't, have to, I don't have to treat my wife right. I don't have to treat my husband right. I can do whatever I want to. God still loves me, and everything is lovely, and the roses bloom every day and all that, and we're all going to make it to heaven in our little rowboat of life, and, and everything is going to be good. But according to the way that I understand Scripture, that's not the case. We have responsibilities. Every one of us here today, we've got responsibility. You've got responsibilities in your life, every day you wake up, there are certain things that, are, that you are responsible for. And if you don't deal with those things, somebody is going to pay the price for it. If you don't take care of those responsibilities, somebody is going to suffer because you didn't do what you're 
responsible for. And in our relationship with God, we have certain things that we're responsible for. We have certain ways, certain, uh, certain principles that come from God's Word that we're responsible for. Now, I know this might not be popular tonight, but I believe it'll be a blessing for us if we'll understand uh, what I'm trying to say. Listen, we're talking about uh, exercise and talking about working out and doing things like that. Uh, all these people that go to the gyms, the 55 million plus, that was in 2015, so the 55 million plus people that exercise every day, not to mention those of you or those of us that uh, about once a week or once every two weeks, we get out and walk a few miles and uh, lay down in bed at night and say, man, I'm doing good. Jump on the scales and see I lost three ounces on that walk, and, and I'm, I'm satisfied and happy. I'll do it again next week or sometime. But in all of that, listen, the whole concept of bodily exercise is that you are, are working against something else. Uh, you, are, you are working against weights. You are working against uh, some type of exercise. And it's the, and I can't think of the word that I was wanting to use, but, but it's, the, it's the, somebody got that word? That's it. That's it. It's the resistance. Man, that was a whole key to my message, and I forgot it. <laughs> it was the resistance. The, the weights that you use are resisting, and, and, and they're resisting what you're wanting to do, and that's how that you build muscle tone. Amen? That spoon and that fork uh, is not resisting, and that's the reason that you lose muscle tone. Amen? But, but it's the resistance. And, and 55 million plus people on a daily or every other day basis go into a gym and they fight against these weights. They fight against this, this exercise machine uh, to build up uh, and to make themselves look good on the outside. But, but I wonder how many of those 55 million people are in a mess on the inside. And when we talk about Christianity and we talk about growing in our faith and becoming great men and women of God, when we talk about having an impact on those around us, many people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear about, uh, well, you got you to do this or you got to do that. And they don't want to hear uh, anybody talk about the sin or whatever that they're li living in. You know, Paul was speaking to his spiritual son, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8. And he was talking about bodily exercise. And he, he told Timothy, he said, uh, Timothy, bodily exercise profits little. He said, but godliness is profitable unto all things having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Now notice what Paul was saying to Timothy. Now if you read a little bit about Timothy, you will, you will see that a lot, of, uh, a lot of scholars and commentators think that, that perhaps Timothy was, was one that, that uh, was really uh, tried to stay fit but that Timothy also possibly had stomach problems. That's the reason on over in the in that, that uh, book there that, that Paul said to Timothy, uh, take you a little wine for your stomach. And we're not going to stay there long, but he didn't say go out and buy you a bottle of wine and, and, and drink uh, for your stomach. I'll go ahead and tell you this, that most commentators that I've read and all that say that it was not fermented, but it was the juice of the grape. That is the reason that, that during this time of year when viruses are going around, 
you'll see a lot of school teachers that will say, drink grape juice. I've got Welch's grape juice in my refrigerator right now that is about halfway gone because I've been sucking it down. All right? But it could be that that's what Paul was telling Timothy. Timothy, go to Walmart and get you some Welch's grape juice, son, and drink it every once in a while. Mix it with the water because where Timothy was, they said the water had a lot of alkalinity in it and it caused stomach issues. And Paul was saying, how did I get on that? Go. Some of y'all must be drinking wine or something. That's the reason I said that. Anyway, Paul said, Timothy, bodily exercise profits little. Now, he didn't say bodily exercise won't profit you at all. He said it profits a little. He said it'll help you out a little bit. It'll do a little good for you. But listen to what he said. He said, but godliness, godliness, what is godliness? It is a God-likeness. It is a god Likeness. It is becoming in the image of God. And he said, Godliness, Timothy, is uh, profitable unto all things. All things. Look at somebody say, All things. You know, I get frustrated. Uh, Judy, several years ago, bought me a, a little. Uh, mini gym and it's in our bedroom and it's got clothes hanging on it right now uh, but but she bought me this little thing and it's got a, a diagram that goes all the way down it and and it's got uh, these these different exercises that you can do and and they'll be good for your abs they'll be good for your shoulders they'll be good for your stomach muscles they got some that's good for your uh, legs and 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 all this other stuff and I get frustrated because I I started out and I'd go well I did that one and and now I got to do this one and and then I, I got down and by the time I got about halfway down the sheet I said, it ain't, gonna, it ain't worth it. I'm going to just go and, and get me a loaf of bread and eat peanut butter and jelly and just enjoy life. But listen, it's, it's hard. It's, it's work. And I admire these men and ladies that are disciplined uh, to exercise and things like that. I admire uh, people that can do that. But listen, I, I've, I've understood uh, what Paul said, godliness Profits all and all things. If, if you are a godly individual, Paul said, you are profiting in all ways. Not only am I going to profit here on this earth, but I'm going to profit in the life to come. Listen, I'm going to leave that exercise equipment uh, in the bedroom one of these days, and I'll never go back to it. But what I'm doing out of this word is going to take me from here to yonder. Amen? But then, in order to really understand what Paul was saying, that we need to work our salvation out, I think we have to go back up to verse 5 in Philippians chapter 2. And, and Paul kind of gives a, a rundown there of the example that Christ set for us. And I want to real quickly go through that because I believe that what we're going to talk about for the next few minutes is one of probably one of the key areas that if if we would understand that it would it would cause us to grow at a rapid rate in godliness. Notice what Paul said in verse 5. He said, "Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus." Now, if you look over uh, to verse 3 of that same chapter, you'll see where Paul mentioned about the lowliness of mind. He, he talked about in verse 3, he said, Don't let anything be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. So then he talks about let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. 
And what Paul was talking about was that the mind of Christ was a mind of humility. It was a mind of humility because he goes in the next verse, he said, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. In other words, it, that, that verse will, will confuse you if you're not careful because what Paul was saying was that Jesus didn't look at himself as being robbed by having to come to the earth. All right? He didn't look at himself as being put out. Uh, uh, even though he was equal with God, he didn't look at himself as being robbed because he had to come to the earth. All right? The, the mind of Christ, and you can write this down, is a mind of humility. And I was looking at this today, and this is what came to my mind. Humility of Christ was power submitted to the will of the Father. Listen, we live in a culture today that, that for the most part is self-centered. You ever see people that are self-centered? Self-centered people is all about me, all about mine, and all about what I want, and all about what I'm going to get. If you've ever worked with people that are self-centered, they're the kinds that you'll be on the ladder and they'll climb up your back and step on your head to get a little bit higher. Self-centered. But, but a big majority of the people in our culture today are self-centered. We live in a fallen world. And the subject of humility, when we talk about humility, it's not very popular. It's, it's, not, it's not something that people want. But the Word of God places great value on humility. Listen, Christianity down through the ages has been, has been marked by a spirit of humility. And uh, when, when Paul referred to humility or lowliness of mind, we tend to get this picture of some weak-minded individual, uh, some anemic person, that, that is frail and is hunched over in their back and, and uh, walk around all the time with their head down and all that. And that's the kind of picture that we get when we think about humility, when we think about somebody that's humble. And, and the world, uh, that's what they think when we talk about humility. That's one of the reasons that Christianity is disliked so much in, in our culture is because Christ, Christians, the most... Uh, the craziest thing that, that I've ever uh, seen is, is why people want to fight against Christianity and open their doors to a bunch of junk that, that, that pushes and that, that, uh, that believes in hatred and anger and frustration. Why is it? And I'm, uh, I'm going to go back over here. So why is it that we battle so much in our school systems about religion and about Jesus and all that, and, and, but yet uh, we, we allow everything else to come in when all Jesus does is love people. All Christians do, if they're truly Christians, they're just going to be humble. They're going to love people. They're going to help people. They're going to encourage people and all that. Just thought I'd throw that in. But listen, when you look at Jesus, you see a different picture. And I know you probably say, well, you know, Pastor, uh, Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and he was. Jesus was, was, was drugged and, and tied to a whipping post and beaten uh, with stripes and uh, all that, and he was uh, laid on a cross and nailed to a cross. Uh, he, was, he was humble, and he was. But I, wanna, I want you to see something a little bit deeper in that story because I think it'll help us to understand humility. In John chapter 19 and verse 10, we got this, this beautiful picture of what I'm talking about when I say humility was power submitted to the will of God. Because in John chapter 19 and verse 10, they've got Jesus and Jesus is standing before Pilate. Pilate is interrogating him. 
and all that. And Pilate looks at Jesus. Now, Pilate was, was a ruler. He had a lot of power. He had a lot of authority. And no doubt he was looking at Jesus as being some weak, anemic, uh, uh, no-good-for-nothing individual that he could just slap around and do what he wanted to. He had the authority. He had the power. And he was going to use that power and that authority. But if you look at verse 10, the Bible says that Pilate spoke to Jesus because Jesus wouldn't answer his questions. He said, don't you know that I have power to crucify you and I have power to release you? Listen, it's one thing to have power, but it's another thing to think you got power and you don't have none. Pilate thought he had the power. He thought he had the authority, but he was talking to one who had all power. But notice what Jesus said. Jesus answered him, verse 11. He said, you could have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. In other words, what Jesus said is in his humility, he looked at Pilate and said, look, you could have no power against me unless it was given to you from my father. That was power submitted to the will of the Father. It doesn't mean that I'm weak just because I'm humble. And it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm uh, going to walk around all the time with my head down and all that and my shoulders drooped because I'm humble. Humility in its truest form is power that is submitted to the authority and the will of God. In other words, it is my strength and my weaknesses that are submitted to the authority of God. Yes, I could get up. And yes, I could tag somebody on the head. Yes, I could get up and I could speak uh, to, to people and I could let them know exactly where they stood and exactly where I stand. Yes, I could use my mouth to curse people. And I could use my mouth to tell people how sorry they are. And I could do all of that. But the reason that I don't do that is because I know that it would injure my relationship with God. And in humility, I submit that to the authority of God. See, true humility in the child of God's life is understanding that I don't have to fight this battle because God's got it. I don't have to deal with this enemy because God is going to take care of them. But listen, if I put my two cents in on it, then I will take away God's ability to work in that situation. So Jesus said, listen, you don't have any power. All the power that you've got is given to you from my Father. Now, the Bible talks about that he could have uh, called his angels down from heaven. And, and uh, he could have done all of that and just wiped the whole bunch off the face of the planet. But he didn't do that because humility is power submitted to the authority of God. Listen, the importance of being humble is this. That because apart from him, I am nothing. And apart from him, I have nothing to boast of. See, the mind of Christ was a mind of humility. And then verse 7 said that Jesus made himself of no reputation. And that phrase, made himself of no reputation, simply means that Jesus emptied himself out on the cross. He gave everything he had on the cross. Now remember, we're talking about working out. We're talking about working out our salvation. All right? And we, if, I'll get to it in a little bit, but 
He said, He emptied himself and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, Jesus did all of that. And I want you to get this picture. And I know you've heard this before. Jesus was, was God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was God. He had the very nature of God. He was God. But he laid that glorious nature aside and came down to this earth. And he humbled himself and became in the form of a man. Listen, he wasn't any less God when he was walking this earth. But he took on the form of a man so that he could identify with the sufferings of man. All right? He was God there. He was God here. And now he's God there again. All right? Tonight he's seated on the right hand of the throne of Father, of the Father. And Jesus became obedient to the death of the cross, and he was exalted by the Father and given a name that is above all other names. Listen, I was reading this today, and I, I got to thinking about Jesus being our example, laid down his, his glory to take on my shame. That's a beautiful picture of humility. I've got, to, I've got to copy that in my life. I've got to live like that. I've got to live in humility in my life. It's not easy a lot of times, but I have to walk in humility. I have to keep my power, my strength, my attitude, my mouth, all that. I have to submit it to the will of the authority of God. And by doing that, the, the Bible says when Jesus did that, look at what the Father did. The Father gave him a name that is above all other names. He gave him a name that is above all other names. And it said that, that, uh, that every knee would bow at the name of Jesus, of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But he gave him a name that is above all other names. Did you know that if you and I continue to work out our own salvation and continue to walk in line with God's word, there's going to be a day that God's going to give you a new name. He's going to give you a new name. There's even a time that, that God said, uh, draw nigh to me. And I'll draw nigh to you. There's going to be a time when, uh, when God's going to exalt us. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 6, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. He exalted Jesus. He gave him a name that was above every other name. There's going to be a time in due time that he's going to exalt us. And then there's going to be a time that we're going to get a new name. The book of Revelation chapter 2, verse 17, talks about that he's going to give a white stone, and in the stone, stone is going to be written a new name. That's going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. But here's the thing. The obligation that you and I have as Christians is to work out our salvation. And I'm going to go through this real quickly. The example that Christ set of obedience before us. Listen, what Jesus did brought my salvation. It brought my redemption. But I want you to think of it like this. My salvation rides on the rails of obedience. Now, I know that there are those that say, well, you know, I was saved uh, when I was 10 years old, and, and I'm still saved. I've been li living like the devil uh, ever since age 11. 
uh, and I'm 50-something years old now uh, and all that, but, but I'm still saved. And, and they, they, they believe in the, the Calvinist uh, idea that, that once I get it, I've got it, and I won't ever lose it. I don't agree with that. I believe that, that, uh, that uh, we have to work our salvation out. But my salvation, I believe, rides on the rails of obedience. Now, listen, if salvation came through the cross, the cross came through obedience. If my salvation came through the cross, the cross came into my life through the obedience of Christ. So if I say that I have salvation, then that says that I am going to walk in obedience to what Christ wants in my life. And when I talk about working, when Paul talked about work your salvation, work out your own salvation, what he's talking about is carry your salvation to its full perfection. He didn't say you got it, you don't have to do anything else. He didn't say once you get it, you become a lifetime member. He said, work out your salvation. In other words, carry your salvation to its full perfection. In verse 13, Paul said this. He said, for it is God which worketh in you. Listen, salvation is worked in us. God works in us through his saving power, his saving grace. And by working in us, Holy Spirit is moving in my life. When I got saved, Holy Spirit came in. Holy Spirit began to lead me. Holy Spirit began to convict me of certain things. Holy Spirit began to teach me certain things. And then it became my responsibility to pick up the Bible and begin to read the Word of God, and begin to read and learn about Jesus. And as I began to learn about Jesus, Holy Spirit began to open those things up, and He began to give me revelation. And as I began to get revelation, then I had to begin to walk in obedience to what Christ had said. There was a time when I was a liar, there was a time when I would pop out a lie and, and wouldn't think anything about it. But when I got saved, God began to deal with me about that lying tongue. And as I began to read the Word of God, I began to realize that liars were going to have their part in the lake of fire. And as I read that, then I had, listen, God didn't come down and zap my uh, tongue and, and said, I have took away that lying tongue. No, I would find myself in positions to where I could tell a little white lie and, and, and it, would, it would alleviate the problem for a little while. But because of the work of Holy Spirit in my life, when I would, Holy Spirit would say, think about this, think about this. And it would become my responsibility of that that was working on the inside of me to work it out in my life. That was working out my salvation. That was realizing that God had did a work of change on the inside of me, and now I had to work that thing out in my life. Remember several weeks ago, we talked about Jericho, that walking around the Jericho uh, walls and all that was walking out what God had already said to Joshua. All right, So I had to work that thing out. There, that you might be here tonight and you might can relate uh, that there's, there was a time in your life that, that you, had, you had a filthy mouth and, and you would, wouldn't think, of, think about telling a dirty joke or something like that. But when Jesus came into your life, God began to work in that. But the working out part of it comes when you do it outside. When, listen, the working out part of it is, is the outward part of the inward work. 
It is what you do in public when God has done something privately in you. Amen? Listen. Salvation, I believe, is, is, is like sanctification, that we, we are working and God is working in us and he is perfecting us every day that we live. I look back years ago, or I look back even a year ago, and I see I've grown in areas. You might look back uh, six months and say, wow, look where I've come from in the past six months. You might can look back three years ago and say, man, God has done a work in my life over the past three years. You see, because you're growing, and that is working out your salvation. You are growing more and more like your daddy. And that's the whole concept that Paul was talking about when he, when he told the Philippian believers, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Don't just take this thing as, as you've got your name on a roll book somewhere, but work out this salvation with fear and trembling. Listen, and it comes through obedience and the help of God's Spirit working in our lives. Now, in Second uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, Peter said this, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. I want you to notice that, what Peter said there. He said, Beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. If you add to your faith, that would mean that you already possessed faith. Isn't that right? If you add to something, it means that there's something already there of the same character, and you add to it. And Peter said, uh, add to your faith. Add to your faith uh, virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance and he goes on down and he talks about all these things that you need to add in your life now I don't know about you but I haven't always been temperate even a few years after I got saved I wasn't temperate I didn't have no temperance in me all right and, and, and there, there was, there was a, a, a while uh, after I got saved that I didn't really know as much as I thought I knew. I was raised in a, in a Christian home, but I realized that, that I didn't know near as much as I thought I did. But I had to add some knowledge, and I had to add some temperance, and I had to add some faith. I had to add some patience. I know y'all got plenty of patience and all that. Well, you're going to get some more, though. God, God, God is liberal on giving patience. And, and somebody said, well, don't pray for patience because God will put you in a situation to get it. Well, it don't matter if you pray for it anyway. He's going to do it, all right? All right, you're going you're gonna to have to deal with these things. And God is saying, add to, add to what you've already got. So that, and I think that what God is wanting us to understand tonight is that he is faithful, but there comes a time in our lives that we've got to add to what he's been doing in my life. That doesn't mean that you've got to increase your Bible reading. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've got to increase your, your prayer time or something like that. It just means you've got to grow in some areas. Listen, we need to grow. Listen, the body of Christ has the same power available today that they had 2,000 years ago, but we're not seeing it. Why? Because the body of Christ is not growing. All right? When I grow and when I mature as a child of God, you know what? I'm going to not only get closer to God, but I'm going to begin to look more like Him. I'm going to begin to act more like him. And I'm going to find myself taking up his habits. I'm going to find myself, uh, listen, when I first got saved, you wouldn't have caught me in the middle of Walmart somewhere praying for somebody. But I don't think anything about it now. 
When I first got saved and, and I got up in the morning, uh, you know, I, I had to do certain things. I don't do those things anymore because I don't need that anymore. You see, there was a growth that took place, and I'm still growing today because I want to become more and more like my Father. I want to become more and more. I want to follow the example that Jesus set for me. Amen? Peter said uh, in verse 7, he said, uh, and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love. He said, for if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's the reason that that for the past three days you've been getting day one, day two, and day three. Everybody getting day one, day two, day three? Amen. Amen. I slept late this morning, and it was a little bit late, but somebody said thank you. But day four will be rise up early and seek the Lord, all right? But, but, but that's, that's the whole idea with that. And it's what Brother John was talking about Sunday morning, that, that we grow as we study the Word of God and as we pray and as we give God time. Listen. Today was one of those days with me that it started out fast, it started out early, and and it went real fast for a few hours, and I didn't have time to do anything. But you know what? It took me five minutes to do a devotion and a time of prayer this morning when I first got up. When I was sitting on the edge of the bed, I did that little devotion. You see, it don't take long, but you better be careful because once you do it, five minutes not going to be long enough. Because that'll be the thing that you look forward to every morning. It's better than grits and eggs. Amen. You look forward to spending that time with God. Listen, there, uh, there are times when, when, when life gets so crazy and so busy that I don't get the time that I need to spend time with God. And, and, and there are times when I stand at the back door of the house and look out to my shed down there and I'm longing. I said, God, I just want to get a little time to get down there in that little eight-by-eight eight cubicle uh, office of mine and spend time with you. And I'm walking down the hill going to my shed and I'm saying, God, thank you that I have this time that I can get together with you. Because God, is, God is, is working in me, and as God works in me, there are things that are being worked out of me. And I'm working out that relationship with God. Listen, I want to tell you tonight that, that, that there were things that, that I struggled with and I battled with, spiritual things, and I was saying, God, I don't understand, God. Why is this happening? And, and why isn't that happening, God? It, it happened with them. It's not happening with me. And why is this happening? Why, why do they do that? And why don't they go here? And why don't we do that? And all that. And, and God said, stop. He threw a pillow at me like I do the dogs at the house when they're barking. I throw a pillow at them. God threw a pillow at me and he said, stop and be quiet. He said, get with me and if you will get with me, I'll work some things in you and then you can begin to work these situations out in your life because you're working out your salvation. I'm fixing to, to close. Listen, Jesus said in John 8, verse 30, he talked about that if you're going to be his disciples, you've got to continue in his word. Uh, Pastor John talked about this Sunday morning. Continue in uh, the word. He said, then you are my disciples. So how do I work out my salvation? You have to depend upon God's grace. 
you have to realize that that this is greater and bigger than you and so you have to depend upon the grace of God not the grace that saved you but the grace that keeps you the power of God working in your life it's not about me it's about me humbling myself before him and allowing his grace to work in my life develop that time of prayer and study with God's word listen to Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25 says that he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them God can save to the uttermost that doesn't necessarily mean that he can get the worst of the worst of the worst of the worst sinners. It can also mean that he can take you, a good old boy, a good old girl, and save you to the uttermost. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25. And you have to resist the temptations of the world. If you're going to work things out, if you're going to work your salvation out, you've got to realize that sin is the rattlesnake that will bite you with venom. Sin is that, is that venomous bite that will rob you of your joy and your peace. So you have to resist that and draw close to God. And then Paul said, you work your salvation out, but here's, here's the mindset that you use in working it out. Work it out with fear and trembling and we've all said well you know I fear God and when I say I fear God that means I'm reverencing God but if you study that a little bit you'll find that that it's not only talking about godly reverence I believe that what Paul was talking about when he said work your salvation out with fear and trembling is that in order for me to fear the Lord, I must know His holiness. I must know that God is holy. I must know that God is a God of justice. If I know that He's holy, then that lets me understand that, that I have to be holy in order to come into His presence. If I know he's a God of justice, that means that God, uh, God will reward me according to my work and according to the way that I live. I must understand his righteousness, his code of righteousness. But I must understand that all three of those things are bound up in God's love and his mercy. You see, I understand that, that because God is holy, that he is not going to allow deliberate and willful sin to stand before him. If I know to do good and do it not, then it becomes sin to me. It is willful sin. And friend, when I sin knowing that I'm doing wrong, then I cut myself off from the blessings of God. Listen, godly fear can only be if we know God. The fear of the Lord is recognizing the seriousness of sin in my life and dealing with that sin in my life. I know that we, we do a lot of studies and all that about God wants to bless you here and he wants to do this for you and, and he wants to add this and all that. And I understand those things are good. But guys, I want you to understand that the bottom line is that we need to work our salvation out with fear and trembling. I need to be on my knees saying, God, what must I do to get closer to you? God, what, God is there something about the, this mouth that you want to deal with? God, is there something about this attitude that you want me to bring and submit to your authority? God, is there something about the way that I treat Judy that, that you want to deal with? And the Lord always says, no, son, you're doing good. I feel sorry for you. I'm blessing you anyway. <laughs> no. No. 
Uh, take that off the tape. No, I'm blessed for sure. But I always need to, to be before God. God, if there's anything in my life, and listen, that's a, that's a scary prayer to pray, isn't it? When we say, God, if there, is there anything in my life? And, and if you're not careful about the time you get that out of your mouth, your phone will ring. And you'll have to jump up and answer your phone. And God's saying, well, I was going to say, but anyway, listen. I'm closing. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, and Paul said this. He said, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. And that was coming from the Apostle Paul. He said, I keep under my body and to bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to you, I myself should be a castaway. Wouldn't that be sad? Wouldn't it be sad when you get to heaven and all the McCulloughites are gathered around having a party and all that and they look around and say, where's, where's Pastor? Peter walks up and says, well, he didn't make it. He didn't keep his body under subjection and he's a castaway. Think about it. Think about it. Listen, life is too short to play around. And relationship with God is too serious to take lightly. I have to work these things out. Listen, don't let culture, don't let culture mess you up. Because culture says, I can get him and I can do anything I want to. Now we'll forget. Year, several years ago, watching uh, 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 or listening to uh, a pastor stand and say, "You know, uh, yes, I'm I'm divorced. Yes, I left my wife, and I did it because God told me to leave her and get this one over here." We say, "Wow, I can't believe!" But listen, culture, culture has opened the door. That's the reason now that, that uh, more and more churches are opening their doors to homosexuality and all these things are coming in because we're not working our salvation out. We're not, we're not saying, God, is this what you want me to do? God, is this how I need to act? God, is this where I need to go? We go to the church that's the easiest to digest. We listen to the sermons that are the most easy to digest and that make us feel the best. But I want to tell you tonight that, that God's godliness, godliness will profit you in every area of your life. Amen. Would you stand with me? You know, one of one of my most favorite things to do, and it's very simple, and and you might think it's crazy or whatever, but my one of my favorite things to do, in in my time with with God, is to uh, kneel or or sit in my chair or, or ever how I'm going to do, and open my Bible, and and. Uh, I might have a scripture or something that's been on my mind or, or I might just read. But when I start reading, I, I pray read. I read, pray, whatever you, ever how you want to say it. And I just pray the scriptures. And I pray the word of God. And I pray, God, help me. Give me understanding, Lord. Don't let me miss the truth that, that you're wanting me to see in the word. Because, God, I want to grow. I want to grow. Listen. 
for years and years, I studied to preach. I studied to get a sermon. I studied to get a message that I could stand before people and preach it. And I found myself dying. I found myself uh, slowly fading out. And, and I wondered what was going on. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, Son, you need to quit studying to preach to others. He said, You need to let me feed you. And out of the overflow of your spirit, I will speak to others. Bottom line, I had to fill myself up. And out of the overflow, God speaks to others. You see, fill yourself up, and God will cause your overflow to be a blessing to others. Let's pray. Father, we love you.